From those in the know to those who need to know, this is the Indie Weekly Podcast. We've got a return guest today, and uh, I'm a very big fan of this topic, uh, workflows, uh, which could bleed into like automation and efficiencies and strategies. Uh, this is what I've, all my life, I feel I've been doing this stuff. Uh, and often people are like, how do you do all these things? Like we've got four online conferences. We do a weekly, we've got mentorship, we've got an export program. Uh, I also have a, another complete job representing six, seven brands. How do we do it? Efficiency trying to figure it out. And one of the biggest uh, pain points that we get uh, in discussions and questions at our conferences is as an artist, I feel overwhelmed. There's too many things. Or as a manager, there's too many things. How do we be content creators while trying to make music, record music, produce music, distribute, make sure we're collecting? There's so many things. How do we do that? Well, uh, workflows, and efficiencies is is huge for this. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, we had our guest, uh, I think a couple months ago, this is Marquis uh, Murray, and uh, we had a great discussion. So we've asked him back. Uh, Marquis, if you can just tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Thanks, Daryl. It's good to be back. Yeah, I think it's been a, a few months now since we last connected and i think even in that talk we said we got to have a part two because i know there are lots of good questions and and chats happening so good to be here my name is marquee everyone i'm the ceo at uh ditto we are a systems improvement consultancy and so we work with companies to help them get the most out of their software we create some of those efficiencies through improving their workflows we you know use as much automation as we can via the software we implement so that their teams can work better, smarter, and be more efficient. And so you'll notice I have some friends up on the wall. I'm a business owner as well as a musician. Um, I actually spent some time managing bands as well. And at one point in time in another life, um, I ran a home studio. And so it, it's cool to be back here and be on this side versus when I was you know, doing a lot of music, I was actually attending these conferences as well. So for me, just a bit of background, my, my, um, my background and how I really got into this was out of necessity really. So I used to run a marketing agency and a lot of what I was doing as my team grew and clients came on, I was finding I was doing a lot of the same work over and over again, having a lot of the same conversations over and over again, repeating myself and training my team and doing a lot of the same things again, over and over and over again and spending my time um, repeating them instead of, you know, creating these systems. So I started writing them down instead of having to say it again, I wrote it down and I said, here you go, take a look. Or I recorded a video of my screen and showed someone how to do it. And that's how my love for systems really developed. And so whether it's managing bands or managing my studio clients or managing my, my home life or my, my work, I, I live inside of systems and create efficiency all day. I'm a husband, uh, a father to twin boys. Uh, they're six. I got a little dog down here. You might see him. His name's Taco. And uh, yeah, I love getting outside, walking, kayaking, playing my bass, and just hanging out with family. Awesome. Thanks, Marquis. And uh, just curious as well, because I, I like it when everybody is participating. Uh, two things. One, if you can tell us with a yes uh, I use efficiencies or product management software like Asana or Monday, um, things that help you put it together. So uh, yes, you already are practicing or no, you're not. So I see um, Marquis, of course, Asana. Yes. Uh, awesome. Uh, so hopefully it is some new stuff. Oh, ClickUp. I'm really interested in ClickUp. Uh, but didn't make that crossover yet. And someone else is using a Santa as well. Great. Okay. Now, uh, everybody has their own sort of motivations in looking into this. One, as I said before, feeling overwhelmed. Uh, Marquis, you said whenever you're doing things kind of over and over again, 
Uh, and I, that's a big one. Anytime you're doing something more than once, more than twice, more than three times, you should just start thinking there's a better way. And someone else smarter than me has figured it out and probably shared a YouTube video on how to do this. So Google and YouTube, everything. But uh, my motivation, I've been self-employed, freelance, God, since like mid, late 90s. My motivation was, I just want to make more money faster. Uh, I thought if I could get it done in half the time, it's like getting a raise. If I could get it done in quarter of a time, it's like getting a raise. Um, You know, like, like one example was I had to do 50 maps in Illustrator, like draw rivers, roads, malls. It was for Cadillac Fairview and I was getting paid per map. And I was like, man, if I could figure out how to do four of these in an hour, that's one map every 15 minutes, I'm getting paid 75% more and I'll be done in a quarter of the time. That's a lot of money in a short period of time. I'm all in. So that was my motivation in figuring it out. Uh, And Zach just said, uh, Ift and Zapier. So if you don't know Ift or Zapier, those are good things to check out. So that's motivation. Again, if you're doing the same thing over and over again, try to figure out how to make it easier. So Marquis, what are some of the first steps in recognizing a workflow or a process is needed? Because I think yeah. that's step one is, do I need to create a workflow for this? And maybe define what a workflow is. Sure. Yeah, I would say that, you know, pretty much in everything you do, there, there's a workflow for it. I mean, to put it in, in lay people terms, I mean, everything from the recipes we make, like I, we love HelloFresh here at the house, right? Like th- that's a system in itself. You go online, you order something, they pick your food, they send it to your house in the box and you take it out and you follow the instructions and you have this really nice, you know, somewhat healthy meal at the end of it, right? So systems are everywhere, workflows are everywhere. And really, you know, the, the common problems that I see when I'm entering into a client engagement or I'm speaking to a new team, it's the team has no idea what's going on, right? If you ask, you know, three team members the same question, you know, how do you do task A? You'll get three completely different answers, right? And so there's misalignment with the teams, right? That's one indication that it's time to get some system, get some workflows together so you can predict, you know, what's going to happen and who's going to be responsible for what, right? If you're, if you're missing deadlines for whatever reason, you know, you have too many emails and things are falling through the cracks and you can't get back to people fast enough. That's another indication that it's time to get some workflows together. Um, if you're causing confusion with your teams, you know, or with people that you're collaborating with, that's another thing, um, another reason why you need to create some some workflows. And so really what workflow is, is it's the the process of, of you know, doing anything. It, it's how we're mapping you know, operationally or from a systems perspective, from uh, a procedure perspective, how things work. So an example I often like to use is like how to make toast. Everyone on this on this meeting today knows how to make toast, right? You take it out of the, the bag and you put it in a toaster, you set your time on it. Um, and then when it pops up, you put whatever you want on it, right? So, but if I went around and asked everyone right now, you know, what do you put on your toast at the end of it? We're going to get however many people are on this call different answers butter jam marmalade whatever it is right none of them are wrong but if our goal was to you know say run a restaurant where we make toast and serve you know butter to our people we'd all want to make sure that we're doing the exact same thing and so workflows about creating process creating order so that we're all moving in the same direction at the same time with that common goal and one of the um the big issues that comes up is like the the people that are doing the work, the principal, the the entrepreneur, the musician, the, the manager, they're like doing everything themselves and they want to bring on an assistant or they want to use their team, but they feel like they can't because one, they can't trust them, two, they would have to come in and do it themselves anyways, or they feel like no one can do it as well as them, or they don't have time to show somebody else, right? So those are all signs that it's time to create some workflows. You're getting burnt out. You're taking too much on 
yourself and it's time to bring people in to it to help make your work easier and more predictable. I love that. And I love that you use the word recipe because that's, that's the word I use a lot. But, uh, yeah. so, so if I could unpack that just a little bit and, and like recipe, if you think of it, uh, I, I also use Subway, the, the Subway restaurant and also as a metaphor. Yeah. Like if you think of it, step one, pick your sub. Step two, pick your bread. Step three, pick your ingredients. Step four, pick your sauces. And, it, and that's step and repeat each and every single time you go in there. Different customer, same questions. Yeah. Different staff member, same order. So uh, exactly that. If you're looking to hand it off onto somebody, it needs to be a way that they can go, what's step one, what's step two, what's step three, what's step four, and so on. Um, and as well to make it efficient, uh, you might share ingredients like sub A, has lettuce. So does sub B. So you only need to buy one ingredient. It's used twice. Yeah. Um, so, so that recipe metaphor works very well. Um, and with that said, uh, my advice often is, is actually write down your steps of your, of like, here's what I'm doing over and over again, actually write it down. So you really know step one, two, three, and so on. Um, uh, that's one of my biggest things that I, I always try to do. And then I try to go, can I cut one of these out? Can I get rid of some of these? Or, do yeah. I'm, or am I actually missing some? Because maybe it's not working because I'm missing something. Um, so what would, what would be your advice then on like putting together a workflow? Like, okay, we've identified I need a workflow. How do I create one? And what does that mean? Right. Yeah. There are, there are lots of software tools that can help you to do it, but in simple terms, like you said, you know, what would be involved in making that sub or let's just take our jobs for a minute. You know, what's involved in me getting up every day and checking my email what's involved when it comes to, you know, creating an invoice and sending it out. If, you know, we have a, um, a sales process or, you know, we just finished up, a a session or whatever it may be, what's the process for backing up the files and making sure that everything's secured, right? Just thinking back to my studio days, right? So what is the process? And a lot of times it would come from, in my case, the, the engineer, right? And they would say, go off and do this, right? But what we find is that something like that's not scalable. And so what you want to do is you want to write it down. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It can be your worst version of it. Write it down on a piece of paper, open up Apple notes, just write it out. Step one, two, three, four, five. And what I often will do, if it's a new idea, I have a whiteboard right next to my desk here, or you can get a piece of paper and like literally draw it out, right? Like make it like idiot proof, you know, kind of. So you want to, what's the first step? You draw it out, you put, you know, start here. And then you draw a little line to another box and you say, what's the next step that needs to happen? And then, you know, um, if we're using the example of like, you need um, to submit something for approval, right? You're putting together, like, I know CD Baby is one of your sponsors, right? I've, I've gone through that whole thing where you need to send in your artwork. You need to confirm that it's all good. They need to send you a proof to make sure that it's good again. And then they send it back and you're, you're okay in that. So that's a workflow in, in itself. And what that would look like in a project management tool is person A sends um, artwork into person B, person B sends proof back to person A, and then person A approves it. You have one of two choices. If you're looking for an approval, it's either, yes, I approve it or no, I do not approve it. And then what happens, right? If it's approved, it goes to production. If it's not approved, we go back, we make revisions, and then we send it back to the person to, to, review, it, to review again. So when you're looking at like actually mapping out a workflow, it's creating that process, drawing the lines, connecting the dots, and then having branches based on, you know, different decisions that need to be made or things that could come up, variables that could come up in that, that workflow process. So I would just say simplify as much as possible, write it down, draw it out. It's almost like a choose your own adventure type of book. Uh, yeah. Is it ready? Yes. No. What happens if yes? What happens if no? Uh, yeah. And I think that that's, that's huge. That's going to lead into another part of our discussion that we talked about. Um, I did 
want to point out in the chat, I dropped in glue maps as a link. That's a tool that I sometimes use to map it out. It's basically just a flow chart kind of. It's, yeah. it's use it for like uh, site maps for websites, but I also use it for like a flow chart kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, just something visual and it doesn't take much. Uh, now, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's like, you know, um, it's also going to be a work in progress. And, and so going back to that whole recipe, I'm not necessarily the best cook, but I need a cookbook and it lays out two tablespoons, this half tablespoon of this, that's your recipe. And it'll say preheat oven, put chicken yeah. in for 30 minutes and things like that. So, so it, it does that. But then sometimes when I cook it, I'm like, Oh, I could use a bit more of this. You modify it. You, you, mm. you have to also, I, I feel like, uh, you have to buy into the whole process to know if it's working or not. Sometimes people do a little bit and go, ah, not working. And they haven't actually even completed it. Would, would you agree? Like you got to be all in and, and like, this is exactly how we, not to say exactly, but you, you just got to be all into it. Yeah, absolutely. It's either, you know, it's, it's a half-baked attempt at, you know, improving the process or, you know, they're getting too far ahead of themselves, right? To do it properly, there's a sweet spot. Because if it's half-baked, you haven't considered all the options, you haven't thought about the person down the line that's going to be impacted by your bad decision, right? And then if you're getting too far ahead of yourself, you're trying to get a tool, you know, and pay a bunch of software licenses every month to fix the process for you. And you haven't really taken the time to think through all the different scenarios, consider all the different options and variables and people involved. So I would say when it comes to, you know, um, documenting your, your processes, it's definitely iterative, right? You make changes, you make updates over time, and it slowly improves as you're going through it, as you're working through it. It doesn't have to be perfect, but you at least got to give it that chance, work through it, and then revisit it and say what worked well about what we just did, what didn't work well, and what are we going to do to fix it? And that gets improved in that process. And then you're writing that down as well. Right. And, and to kind of relate it in the music world, uh, songwriting, you know, uh, you're trying an option for an intro. You might have two options for an intro. And, and again, documenting it, and then you're deciding which works best. But um, in actual working, just to give an example, um, we do this every Tuesday without fail. So how do we get to this point? We have to invite the guest. When do we invite the guest? We try four weeks out every time. So we're four weeks ahead. And then we need to have a newsletter ready. We need to have a website ready. We need to have the sign up ready. So our recipe involves all of these things things and also needs to be done a certain time and to make it more efficient we actually try to plan eight weeks out and in one day do the invites all at the same time so therefore then we get the responses we could possibly do all the newsletters prepped at the same time we could do all the website updates at the same time so we're kind of some people use the word chunking or grouping together the tasks uh, can you talk a little bit about that kind of strategy? Yeah. Um, is it about actually creating the process and like chunking together, like how you're, you're going about it? Yeah. I think it's like when you're forecasting, I know I've got to do the same kind of task multiple yeah. times. It's actually more efficient if I just put them all together. So uh, I use subway as an option. Uh, do I cut one tomato only, or do I cut like, hundred and have four tins ready to go and it's really fast and efficient to cut yeah. hundreds all together yeah yeah i because i know a lot of people are actually use um project management tools here like in asana what we do for this to make it just way easier is we create templates at different levels for everything and so within this template right you have um all the tasks that you need to complete for 
you know, three weeks out or four weeks out. And as you're getting closer to that date, you're working your way down that actual list and checking things off. So if you're, if you're doing the same kind of, you know, events all the time, if you're doing the same kind of um, projects or sessions all the time, and you know that there are steps you need to hit, yeah, group as much as you can together. And then within something like Asana, you can create a task template, which takes it a step further where you can say, okay, great. This is a task. You know, it could be, um, fill out grants application, right? You're, you're doing a lot of those. You're following those same steps each time. And what's nice about this, like batching or grouping is that as you're going through your list, your process, you're making changes over time, you're seeing, okay, what can I remove or what can I pull together now to make this easier? I always believe in like pulling things out, removing things from the process before we're actually adding more to that process. So I would say that I'm, I'm a definite fan of, of batching in this case. Um, yeah, oh, I see. In. Yeah. John put a link and I was just starting to look at it, but, uh, batching is huge for me. Uh, and in the design world, I've been able to make good amount of money. I'll, I'll put yeah. it at that. Um, just as an example, um, one of my early day clients was Canadian tire. I helped launch their first website they were behind and in panic mode. And what mm -hmm. it was is they hadn't even touched their product images yet. And they had four weeks to launch and they had 8,000 plus images to be processed. And back yeah. then we're talking like 1999, 2000, 2001, uh, somewhere around that range. Uh, you couldn't email files. It was like CD-ROMs, uh, but i managed to batch using four computers and I was able to process 8,000 plus images in three weeks. So I actually got earlier than anticipated so they could launch on time. Um, so when you when you can batch and I'm gonna to try to put it in case of like, uh, some of you may have heard me talk about like a year. And if you think about a year, uh, sports is another good sort of metaphor. We're in the playoffs right now. Well, Leafs aren't in the playoffs. Edmonton is in the playoffs. I'm from Edmonton. So uh, it's playoff time in hockey. Every year, this is playoff time. So how they schedule out this year is actually practice for them to do better next year and become more efficient at it, which ultimately for them is selling more tickets, selling more concessions, more merch. They figure out how to make more money around it each year. And um, to structure out a year, off season is right after this, then there's preseason, there's tryouts, then the season, then the playoffs. And, and then every year there's a trade deadline. They've got it structured for 12 months so that they get better and better. And that's why these teams are making so much money. Uh, and they can look at what did they do last year? How can we make it better this year and make more money? So it's very similar. In, and I look at it as an artist is when do you write songs? When do you record songs? When do you do the marketing and releases? And then when do you tour? And if you are trying to do all of that at the same time, all the time, man, that is going to be overwhelming. That's going to be like too much. So uh, often you find out when is your tour cycle? When's your writing time? When's your marketing time? And especially if you're doing it yourself, you, if you can kind of break that up, uh, and batch. So for instance, I deal with a lot of artists on CD baby front and so many of them come to me, Hey, we just finished this. When can we get it out? I'm like, have you done marketing yet? Do you have a show booked yet? Even what, what do you, what do you, what are your plans? And often it's just, it's done and I got to get it out. So imagine if you record six songs all at the same time. Then you can go and do six videos at the same time. Off those videos, you take, you take screenshots and photos, and now you have all this photo catalog at the same time. And you're going to release this out over 18 months. So you get all the content together in one shot, and then you can schedule out all your socials and figure out all your marketing points. And that gives you time to actually be the musician and focus on the shows and, and things like that and promoting that. You're not having to keep creating during that time. So, so that's just an example on how you can batch it. And I've seen artists do that very well. Um, 
and after they've released certain number of songs, then they know where the market is because where people connecting through data, that's where I'm going to book my shows. So just trying to unpack it as how would it work in the terms of music. Now, prior to, to our call, we had a bit of a discussion and I wanted, like we're talking kind of right now on everything is working. Every, like we planned it and it worked. That's not always the case. This weekend, prime example, some outside influence really ruined the weekend for many. Uh, again, I was out power all day Saturday. I was gonna do work on Saturday. Uh, there was no cell phone service even, so I couldn't even text message a person. It was literally cut off from the world. It was quite the weird feeling. Uh, so outside influences, how can we prepare for outside influences and not get thrown off track so much? And Marquis, I'll let you sort of start and, and I'll add. Yeah, that is a really good question because things do not always go according to plan. Um, it, it, it's hard to plan for what you don't know, right? We often say we, we don't know what we don't know. And it's not until you're in it that you're thinking about potential solutions. So what I can say is to get ahead of it. We've already talked about the, the documentation side of things where you're looking and thinking about the many different, you know, variables and options and ways that, you know, that task can either be completed or, you know, that we can go about, you know, that, that process itself. But what is really important in my world is looking back and doing that, that retrospective or, or post-mortem, whatever you want to call it. And so within the project management tool at the end of the campaign, it's, you know, what worked well, you know, and then everyone that was involved, they're going to list out what they think um, worked really well. And then it's what didn't work well, right? And then the third one is what action items are we going to take to improve the next time, right? So you're listing out everything, you're having conversations about it, you know, and it's, it's not until you get into these little groups where you can, you know, really see people's uh, different opinions and how they're impacted by these changes. Some people embrace them and some people, you know, run away from them, but it's by taking this time to do the full retrospective that you can plan again for the future. Um, it, it's hard to say that you would have, um, a plan B if all your time was spent on, you know, planning for the ideal outcome. But it's one of those things where you do have to consider that, you know, if this doesn't work in my world, it's what if it's not this tool? What if this tool no longer exists? What if the client doesn't want to use this? What's our plan B? And so we, we make it a best practice. Like if we're implementing a project management tool, Asana is our main one, but we could also do Monday. We could do ClickUp. We could do Trello. Right. So that's typically what our plan B looks like. And we have resources that enable us to be able to do that for for CRMs. Um, ours main one is HubSpot. Right. If it's not HubSpot, what else is it going to be? Right. And so we have different options that we can we can choose from to make those changes on the fly. So it's about being selective. But of uh, again, all of that information and all those different options came from just going through the process, trusting it and doing that retrospective so that we can make sure we're prepared for the next time. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'll add to that. And I just want to address uh, John. He shared the link uh, for the studio process and uh, it was asking if that's what we're talking about. Yes, it's exactly what we're talking about. And uh, software, you could try a Santa Monday, click up. All of those are, are good. Uh, and they just have different nuances. And I think that's where it's more of a personal opinion, what's best for you. Um, so Here's what I would say a couple things. Now, uh, not sure who all here is from Canada, but good example is in Canada, we're very lucky that we get funding, right? Now, we get approved on funding. Great. What happens if the money doesn't come in before the event? That's a prime example of what we deal with a lot of times. Uh, what happens if the money doesn't come in six months after the event? I've had to deal with that. I've had where money is taken 12 months to come in off of a, a grant, uh, that kind of stuff. So, so there's always sort of backup kind of solutions and things to be aware of. Um, in an artist world, um, if, ever, if anyone's been on tour, 
almost anything can go wrong, can and will go wrong. But how do you prepare for it? A couple of things. Uh, I like templates. Templates are like scripts. And I've got a script for, hey, everything's great. B, I haven't heard from you in a while. Could you, I'm trying to advance the show and, and here's all the things I need to know. I don't want to type that out each and every single time. That template is there. Now, uh, not sure if everybody has an iPhone. Oh, you can already see like how many messages are coming in since start of this. It, it's crazy. Um, but if you go to the, the, the part of the workflow and, and, and efficiency stuff is finding some of the hacks. And, and so if I'm doing something over and over again, how do I try to fix it? Well, if you go to the accessibility in the keyboard area text, you could actually create quick keys. So like a lot of times people know BRB stands for be right back, but you could have it. If you type BRB, it'll actually replace that text with be right back. What I've done at times, and some of you may have gotten an invite from me is, Hey, I've got this coming up. I'd like you to be a guest. Here's a link. Here's a code. I don't really want to remember that stuff. So I might create a code like DDG, which is not in any word. So if I type it, bam, here's all the text that appears. And I just hit send. Uh, and I, when I was a booker for a venue, I used that all the time. Here's a script for, would you be interested in playing? And I just put a date in. And if they said yes, here's the other script that I would send back. If they said no, here's a different script. And, and everything was scripted. Um, so think about when you're saying stuff over and over again, can it be a script? And then if you're doing that often, can it be a quick key? And even that makes it so much faster. Um, it, and I, I can't tell you, I, like I live with this stuff all the time. Otherwise I wouldn't be able to do all the things I do. Um, yeah. I'll, scripts. I'll, yeah. I'll just say, I'll just say on that quickly, Daryl. Yeah. Like we use a tool and I put it in the chat called text expander um, that you can use across many different devices. You know, I can share it with my team as well. Anyone else involved, you can share with your assistants or whoever's on, whoever you're working with. And like, um, we have it broken down by sales snippets, marketing snippets, operations snippets, any status updates we do internally, we use these. And honestly, it's rare, unless I'm like comprising an email and reaching out for something specific, it's rare that I write emails anymore, right? If, if I, because my role is primarily sales, you know, I have snippets for every stage in the sales process. I press, you know, period, hello, that's, uh, you know, Thanks for, thanks for reaching out. Looking forward to getting connected. Here's my booking link. Looking forward to, to meeting you, right? Next steps is, right, the deal's closed. Awesome. Here's a snippet. It fills everything out. After we have our internal kickoff meeting with our client, dot .com, kickoff meeting, sends them everything, all the next steps. And then my project managers can use that. Business analysts can use that. And everyone is remaining consistent in the language and obviously saving time because these are things we're doing all over and over and over again. Yeah, I was just sort of looking on my phone while you're talking and like, yeah. uh, uh, like you see, like these are all quick keys that I've created. Yeah, nice. And, and it's full long emails and all that. But yes, Text Expander, amazing. I actually used it probably when it first came out a long time ago. And then it actually created where you could have a script and then there's a space where you could actually type in custom text each and every single time and it'll prompt yeah. you to, uh, and you can include images on it. Yes. Big one, big thumbs up for text expander. It's awesome. Um, all right. So these are some of the cool tips and tools and stuff. And uh, Zach had before said, if uh, I did want to yeah. mention, if, um, if you have used, if that's, if, you have used if say yes, uh, otherwise say no. Uh, yeah, so Marquis, yes, Carla, no. So we're getting kind of 50-50, yes and no. So if, uh, back in the day I used to do websites and that included some JavaScript, which I hate. Um, if stands for if this, then that. And basically we use what's called a trigger. If this happens, then this will happen. 
So uh, when I used to go to my office before COVID, I was curious, I wonder how much time I actually am in office. So I actually created an if, if I walk into my office, then timestamp a Google Doc. If I walk out of my office, timestamp the Google Doc. And then I knew how, like, how many hours over 40 I was in the office each week. Um, so it could be anything. It could be geolocation-wise. Uh, it, it's really crazy. Um, simple things. If I put a photo on Instagram, then put it into the Google Drive. If I post a photo on Instagram and I use a hashtag, certain one, then repost on Twitter. So it can cut down so much time and, and vice versa. Uh, if I post to Twitter, put in Google Drive. If I put on Twitter, but with a certain hashtag, put on Instagram or put on Facebook. Uh, Spotify, we use it for Spotify for creating our own playlists. Um, we've got it where if I like a, a song, it gets put into a Google Sheet. And from that Google Sheet, we can create a different Spotify playlist and, and all this kind of stuff. So, so uh, mm. keeping track of things I like without me having to keep track of things I like. And I use, uh, I use a phrase all the time. I drive my staff crazy. Uh, there's a book out there called this, and it's called Don't Make Me Think. And it's by Steve Krug. And a lot of it is just, yeah, like, don't make me think. So I like doing things where I don't have to think so much. If I like this, it's recorded somewhere. I don't have to do that. If I walk into a place, it's recorded somewhere. I don't have to do that. Uh, these kind of automations really makes things easier. So I don't have to think. Um, yeah. You said you used IFT. Is there another program that is similar to IFT uh, that you would recommend? Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people have heard of Zapier, but one thing that one tool that we use that I think is superior, it takes a bit more like thought on, on the subject of not making me think, um, but it, it is more like intuitive. You, you can do a bit more with it. It's called Integramat. And they actually just rebranded to Make, M-A-K-E. Um, so if you um, want to, you know, basically create branches and, you know, create more advanced triggers with other tools, that's a great one that we use all the time. But Zapier is fantastic as well, right? You can hop in there and you connect to the tools you're going to use. And there are pre-built examples of what automations are available as well. One that I love to do is in my Gmail, if I star anything, it automatically goes to my Asana in a specific project and assigns it to me for, you know, a certain amount of days after, right? Like, cause I may have to follow up with it. So that's just one thing. I star it and then Zapier tells it to archive it in my Gmail, sends it to Asana as a task because it's something I need to action. So um, I would say explore it, right? Like Zapier has a free plan where you can go on and, you know, you can connect your tools to it and some of them are paid, but the majority of them are free. Just try it out. You know, what am I doing over and over again that could be easily automated? Even within Asana, we're doing like a lot of the, like in our, in our sales process, something happens in HubSpot when a deal moves to a certain part in the stage and then a task gets created in Asana to notify a project manager that something's incoming. And then that triggers, you know, the project manager to go back to HubSpot, update some information, send an email to the internal team to prepare them, right? And that all happens automatically. Everyone's being notified. It's all happening in a timely manner and everyone's on the same page as well. So, Yeah, Zapier, I totally live by that. Uh, yeah. and, and actually you made me rethink it. Uh, think once and, and, and then yeah. don't think about it. That's, that's yeah, kind of yeah. the goal. You got to think about yeah. it until you get it right. And then, yeah. But the other one I didn't hear about, so I'm going to be looking up make, uh, and, yeah. uh, I'm going to, I'm going to look into dig into that one. Um, okay. example of Z Zapier that we use, um, and, and it could be think of like, if you're looking to book a tour, uh, if you're trying to do promo campaign and set up interviews, it's a lot of the same kind of messaging going out. Uh, we were hired to do, um, it was about 140, 150 venues across Canada for Earth Hour. That's a lot of emails. I don't want to deal with that. And we had to book an artist at each one. 
that's like twice as much emails. And then we had to get volunteers. So we literally created a script and we created a, a spreadsheet. Here's our, the artists with the emails. And it would be literally take the email, open a Gmail with it, take the script, put the script in and put their name into the name field. And it's like, hey, are you interested in playing Earth Hour? If so, do this. And it was like, send subject line, yes, or something. And that would trigger a scripted response. Thank you for showing interest. Can you please fill out this form so that we have your information? And then that form puts in information into a Google sheet. And once that happens, that triggers next thing and so on. Uh, and then we were able to do the same on the venue side. And at some point we'd be able to connect the two artist and venue. And then it would send an email to the venue saying, here's the artist that's playing. And to the artist, it would say, here's the venue you're playing at. We literally sent 10 manual emails and we managed to run that whole thing uh, off of scripts. So if you think of it, I want to book a tour. You could have your spreadsheet of all the venues you want to play at, your contacts, and, and have it send the initial email. And it could be like, hey, you know, I'm looking to pass through your town. Are these dates open? Yeah, that could be in the spreadsheet kind of thing. Uh, if, if an interest, let me know. And that's where you can also pick it up and go manual. So if they say yes, you can now start a conversation. Um, lead generation is used a lot like that in sales and stuff like that. So there's a point where you pick it up personally if there's interest shown, but it's that you don't have to work at finding the interest, uh, if that makes sense. So uh, hopefully that's helping everybody. Now, the other part that I wanted to talk about, because I know artists brought it up a lot at Indie 101, social media, content, mm -hmm. posting all the time. Um, are there any tools that you recommend to help uh, in scheduling or making it easier on everybody? Because I think that that's, that's also weighing a lot on mental health these days. It's like, I'm not doing enough or it's, I'm not getting the results and things like that. Yeah. Um, I don't spend a lot of time in that world anymore. Um, usually have my team that will actually take care of the marketing for us, but we, we use HubSpot for our marketing and everything's connected to that. And that's for another call or another meeting. But um, in the past, it would have been some great ones. Um, Hootsuite is a fantastic tool. Um, it connects to pretty much everything. If you're running Facebook groups or Instagram business accounts or a personal, like whatever it is, LinkedIn, um, Hootsuite is a fantastic tool. Um, later is another one that's, that's great as well. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't look at them much anymore, but, um, th those are some that I can remember that we would use all the time. Um, meet Edgar's a good one. Agora pulse. A -G -O -R. I haven't heard that one in a while. Yeah. Yeah. It, I used to use that. It's fantastic. Cause we used to run an agency. So we get all of our customers on this. And let me just throw it in the chat here. You can take a look at that. That's a fantastic tool um, to, to monitor your stats online, what's happening. You can report on stuff. You can monitor your, your paid ad campaigns. If you're boosting any posts, you can connect all your different socials to it. Um, Buffer is another one as well. Buffer, um, yeah. If you're doing any social, Buffer is a great one. And a lot of these tools, they have a free plan as well. So um, that's what I would... Um, definitely recommend. I, I want to talk about re repurposing for a second. I think this could be helpful. And I actually just like did this myself. Love um, it. Was, do you want me to show anything? Daryl, sure. I know you weren't sure. like, set up for that. Let me, let me just talk and I can pull it up here. But I got Zach will give you uh, screen sharing capabilities. There you go. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thanks, Zach. Yeah, I'll pull this up real quickly so you can kind of see what I'm looking at. Because when I think of like, content and social media it's not just about the tools you're using but it's about how you're repurposing that content so let me just show you something here real quick there we go so i started thinking through this a little bit right like i have a podcast that i'm a i'm a host of um i have a blog and we have like how-to videos on youtube so this is just a really 
simple example of like how we'd repurpose that content. So we have the audio from the podcast and there's a YouTube version of it, but we always turn that into a blog. So it's like, what was the topic of the, the podcast? That's now a blog. And then we turn it into YouTube shorts, which gets used on TikTok and reels as well to promote, you know, those like key moments, those snippets to send people back to the podcast, which also happens to be on our website. The blog, we have direct links, we're using infographics and then the how-to videos, we're, we're breaking those down too. We're putting them on TikTok and Reels. But if we really zoom in here, right? Like the, the goal of social media as it is right now is to create influence, right? So this is what this is what our marketing looks like right now is influence on Instagram. We use Reels and Stories, TikTok. I have both the personal TikTok and uh, in systems we trust, which is the name of the um, podcast. And then YouTube breaks down into Asana solutions. We go live. We have webinars that we host that are either self-hosted or third party, right? How are we using Facebook? What, is, what does blogging look like? I'm a guest blogger for Asana. I write to my own blog, Medium, and then we write to the Ditto blog, speaking, different things like this, conferences, panel. This is all what makes up marketing. And then there are courses available as well. So it's really all about creating influence. And then you're taking all of this content at the end of it, and you're putting it through like onto social media via one of these mediums. Right. And, you know, there's a, there's a full breakdown of what that could look like, but this is like so important. I think a lot of people forget this. There's oftentimes we're all reshare old posts with a new photo or a new video because people really aren't paying that much attention. But at the end of it, it's about engagement. It's about reach. I'm getting into marketing talk now, but um, hopefully this was helpful um, to someone just to see what some of this could look like. Absolutely. And, and if uh, there's a term to look up, it's called evergreen content. And, mm-hmm. and it's very similar where you create one piece of content, but you use it like up to like, could be 85 times. So prime example, you did a video say on a course, and then from that, you've got five photo steel, stills that you could mm-hmm. put out as five different posts. You take in maybe four or five 15-second videos, maybe four 30-second videos. Now that's more posts that can go out there. You've written a blog about it, and that blog becomes shared on socials as well. So that goes on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of like doing the one thing, but then breaking it down into all these other pieces. And then the tools we were just talking about, like Hootsuite, later Meet Edgar, you can then actually schedule that out over the year. So then you don't even have to think about it anymore. It just goes out. Oh, look, that just went out July 15th, talking about it. And that's a 15 second clip. Oh, look, a photo went out August 5th from it. Like you can schedule all that out. And, and so to tie it up, uh, what a lot of people do is they do a content day, one day a month, all the video clips, all the photos, the blog posts, the text, the, and so on. And then they do a scheduling day and they schedule it all out. And that's as much time they spend on social as far as content goes. And the rest of the time on social could be engaging, what's trending, talk about it, like it, share it. Um, and that's really the time management part. And, and I, we didn't really talk much about time management, but I, I do want to touch on that part because all of this stuff is really important. And what we're trying to do is save time so we could get our time back to be more the creative type of people we are. So can you talk a little bit about time management? And a big part, I think, is I only have an hour. I'm not going over that yeah. hour. I got to stay within that time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, two, without getting too technical, there are two things that I do every single day to, to better manage my time. One is I have uh, an app on my Mac called Focus Time, right? And so it's just a little like widget that lives up in the, the menu there. And you can set, you know, working times. If you know that you've got to do something and it's going to take you you know, a certain amount of time, you set your timer and it counts you down, right? Typically you work in 25 minute, you know, increments. And then at the end of that 25 minutes, you have a five minute break. That's the the Pomodoro method, right? Like working 
like high intensity for short bursts of time and then rewarding yourself with a little break, right? So typically people can focus in for that amount of time. And then another thing that I do um, within a sauna, let me see, I can show it to you as well. There's nothing here to hide. I have a, a 4D framework, a time management framework that I practice and I follow for everything. So my tasks, when they come in, they're going to be either um, urgent and important, something that I do that I need to do, right? Something that is important, not urgent. I can defer those things, right? And then I have two buckets where I can either delegate um, tasks. So they're urgent, but I don't need to do them. They're not important to me. And then it's neither urgent nor important. So things that keep coming up, I just delete them. I just remove them. And when I drop them into that bucket, it just completes them. And then it automatically goes down to my done section. So these four things right here, this is my every day. And then if something's due today, it's going to automatically go up to the top to my to-do section. And then those are the things that I am I'm going to handle right away. And then I have different tags that have colors. So do is red, defer is orange, delegate is yellow, and delete is gray. So it, it gives me a really good picture when I see all my tasks, how to prioritize them. And then any tasks that take up a big chunk of time, I can throw those into my, my calendar and, and, and go from there. So a couple uh, quick practical things. Yeah, I love that. And and how do you structure your day? Like I, I try to do, for instance, uh, yeah. a good amount of emails first without distraction. And then I don't look at emails again for a number yeah. of hours. Um, and what's always going kind of like, these are the priority emails and that's it. Uh, yeah. Similar, like basically your Ds, that's how I do my emails. I need to do this yeah. now. I can't, I forward uh, and so on. Uh, and then um trying to keep up time so that I can also uh, address the un unexpected things that happen every yeah. day. So yeah. how, how do you structure your day? Sure. I'm going to have to wrap it here um, to get to my next call, but yeah, to, to, to kind of answer that question, what I do with that is from nine until 12, every single day, doesn't matter what's going on. I have my focus time in there. So prior to that, it's 8.30. I got my workout in. I put the kids on the bus. I'm either going for a walk with the dog or I'm getting hit in the gym. And then from nine to 12 is my focus time. And typically I'm, I'm doing my sales related tasks, anything that's revenue generating, I'm doing it there. If I am doing any marketing batching, I'm doing it there. If I want to sleep, or watch Netflix in bed, I'm doing it there. I'm taking care of myself, right? So typically those three hours are mine in the morning to do whatever I want. And then come 12 o'clock, that's typically when my meetings will start. By that point, I've already gone through my email. I've already actioned things inside of Asana. I've cleared out that inbox. And then now it's time to get onto more sales calls or talk to the team or whatever it may be. So I tend to break up my day where my morning is mine. I'm super productive in that time. And then I can give the rest of that time away to... Uh, customers or team members as needed. I love it. You've been listening to the Indie Weekly Podcast. Be sure to visit IndieWeek.com for all the information on the conferences for 2022. Screen by screen, music and tech in February. Indie 101, music and business education in May. Music Pro Summit, high-level music industry insight from professionals in September. And Indie Week brings it all together in November. Thanks for listening.